0: Listen, I've never had any problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Drag racing's all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. I respect the history, I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. It's uncut, it's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. The biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. This is the great American motorsport. Drag racing. Prove me wrong, I'll wait. I gotta say, a lot of people have made their Top Fuel debut right? But I haven't seen one go quite as well, or it's been a hot minute. Since I've seen one go as well as yours did this past weekend at the NHRA Midwest Nationals at the world-renowned Worldwide Technology Raceway Park outside of St. Louis, right across the beautiful Mississippi River from downtown St. Louis. What a cool place to race, right? The arch off in the distance, like just a, a fantastic track. It seems like we always get some record runs or some really meaningful competition. You see a lot of these guys that are in the NHRA Countdown really point to St. Louis as a race that kind of makes or breaks you. It's, it's one of those events that have historically had a lot of impact on how things ultimately shake out at the end of the season. So this past weekend, my guest here today made, a, uh, made his competition debut behind the wheel of Larry Dixon's Top Fuel Dragster. Uh, let's give it up for my man. I, I'm excited to get to know this young man, the one, the only, Cody Crone. What's going on, buddy? I mean, you are you still like head in the clouds on uh, just floating right now? Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm still definitely uh, floating on a wave right now, I guess you could say. Um, it's kind of catching up to me as I go, kind of thinking back and realizing what exactly happened. It still seems surreal, but I'm back home, I'm driving my work van around, bouncing around to different jobs, and it's it's catching up to me, and it's, I'm starting to appreciate it more and more.
0: Man, what a moment, right? So, I mean, I know this has been a long time coming, and I got to be honest, I've heard so much about you in recent weeks and months. It's been... Uh very rarely do people sneak up on me. Like I'm pretty proud of like I got my ear to the ground. I know a lot of the things that are happening. I ask a lot of questions, but I thought I'm I'm really getting blindsided by this young man. Uh I mean, I've got Frank Hawley in my ear. My own team talking to me going, "Hey, this kid's the real deal. This kid's up and co- this kid's a star." How take me back to like Day one. I mean, we're at top fuel debut. Huge moment. Not going to yeah. undersell it. But how, how did we get here? You're 19 years old. I was reading an autoweek.com this morning. There was yep. an article talking about you. 19 top fuel debut business owner. T- tell me, how do we get here? Where, where does Cody Krohn's story start?
1: Um, so Cody Krohn's NHRA story kind of just started this year, I guess you could say. But it goes way, way back before that. So I started racing juniors at eight, like a lot of uh, NHRA uh, national event competitors have. Um, And I raced IHRA Circuit Southeastern Division. And my dad taught me how to race. You know, I was eight years old and a crate showed up at our shop because he raced in the late 80s and early 90s in alcohol cars. And he always kind of pushed on me, put like, I'm not gonna say pushed on me, but introduced me to it, like surrounded me with it. And, uh, I, it's something I always want to do. So I turned eight and this crate shows up at our shop. He goes, what do you think? <laughs> so from there we started junior racing and it was like, it was just something I couldn't get enough of. You know, it was always like, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. We had a lot of success there. And, uh, when I was 14, we stopped racing juniors cause my dad had this idea that we're going to build a front engine car cause it's something he's always wanted and I was like I, I didn't know much you know I, my world of drag racing had been junior dragsters bracket racing so it was cool for me to see that there was something more and we went ahead and chased that and we started building a uh, nostalgia blown alcohol front engine car which he raced at the Hot Rod Reunion 2020 and I raced in 21 and 22 there um but that that was my first real car i guess you could say so you guys like
0: like dive right into nitro racing no it was a blown alcohol it was a blown alcohol deal okay yeah so
1: three speed with a pedal clutch but uh that was my first dive into like real racing you know that was we ran 60 class but that class is basically a heads up alcohol class for the nostalgia series yep yep i'm familiar yeah and uh that that was my first hands-on experience you could say because i got i got the opportunity to build that car with my dad and go through every part of it. And I think that was kind of the turning port point where it went from kind of just a hobby to say, this is what I want to do. Did and you immediately
0: is... know, well, real quick, I want to touch on junior dragster. So yeah, your junior dragster racing experience, uh, I'd love to know a little bit about just how much value you place on that experience. Cause it seems like everybody kind of has a different one. We've seen, we've seen world champions, right. Come from mm-hmm. the junior dragster ranks. Uh, but we've also seen it like be the end of some kids' careers. There's been some kids that I'm like, oh my gosh, this kid's got so much promise and he, he's doing such a great job and they seem to have all the, all the intangibles and then they get time to start talking big car and it kind of fizzles out, right? Um, so yeah. I'm just curious, could you just like share with us, was your junior dragster racing experience meaningful? Do you think it contributed to where you're at now and the way things are going? A hundred percent, I think, if I didn't go junior racing,
1: I wouldn't be where I'm at at all. I wouldn't be halfway close. I may not even be racing. Cause for me, that was, like I said, it was my first time ever going on track was in a junior and it kind of gave me the chance to get used to the, not just physically racing, but the atmosphere of the track. And it was like kind of where I learned from a young age, like, this is what I want to do. And there was definitely times cause you know I started at eight stopped when I was 14. There's a lot of I guess you could call juvenile thoughts like, hey, maybe I want to go do this, or maybe I want to go do that, but no matter what,
0: there's a lot of distractions, right? There's a lot of distractions. I think about this every year whenever we're doing our Drag Illustrated 30 Under 30, because I think about all the options that kids have. I mean, I had a lot of options, but kids today have infinitely more options, and you think about, and, and there's options at the racetrack, right? I mean, there are the kids that are taking it seriously and doing really well, but they're also the kids that are running around all night long. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's plenty of, like, I'm Correct. not trying to throw uh, you know, throw stones at anybody, but you know, there's different ways to race. Right. And everybody kind yeah. of uh, goes into these deals differently. Some people are looking for the party, right? Some people are looking for the big time. And I, you know, that's, there's a place, time and place for it. No doubt. My point is that everybody kind of does that situation differently. And I'm curious, like what were some of those lessons that you learned along the way that you think helped advance? Like you talked about the atmosphere and just knowing the, the lay of the land, but tell, tell us a little bit about like the life experiences that junior yeah. racing provided you because it is, it's like di- It's, um, it's like trying to navigate high school. You know what I mean? Like some real tough and you're at a weird point in your life. So I I just, I think that we can't put enough value on that junior experience. So I'd love to hear you kind of dive into that a little. Yeah. So for me as an eight year old, (laughs) you know, we were racing juniors
1: and that there's those kids that go around, they throw a football between rounds or the end of the night, they go out and they kick a soccer ball around or ride bikes around. And, uh, you know, that, that wasn't me. There's definitely times where I was like, Hey, maybe I want to go hang out with those kids or do that or do this. And I remember my dad said to me, he said, we're here to race. We're not here to hang out. (laughs) So for me, that was kind of like a turning point. Like, I don't, I don't want to go and hang out at the races. I want to race at the races. You know, we don't show up to have a good time. We show up to win. And that, I think that mentality kind of drove me through wanting to keep going. Cause for me, it wasn't just a weekend hangout that you get at the playground down the street or the park. Right. It was, we were racing, you know, it, it was, it wasn't a hangout. It was
0: racing. And <laughs> that, like, I think honestly, i would go back and forth with this on my own kit with my own kids. And what's crazy. And I hadn't thought about this until this very moment. So you're kind of catching me having a, a real epiphany. Like you're almost, you're not that much older than my kids. Like, which is crazy <laughs> to say out loud. But I, I, I battled this myself as a parent. Mm-hmm. Like you want There are times I've heard myself say, like, oh, my God, let's just have fun. Like, let's these kids have fun because they've got the rest of their life to be stressed out and miserable and deal with drama and blah, blah, blah. Let's let them have fun. But at the same time, I think back to the situations that I was thrown into at really, really young ages. Like my son just got his driver's permit. And I remember telling him, like, I remember being 15 and a half years old with my permit. And because my dad had just had back surgery, I had to drive our crew cab dually eight hours down the interstate to Nashville, Tennessee, to pick up a 500 inch motor that we bought off out of the back of National (laughs) Dragster and back home. First time I met like this, I'm just getting my feet under me with my license or my permit. And I'm driving across country with like two barrels of fuel and a $30,000 engine in the back of the truck. And my son looks at me like. I don't, I don't want to do that. I, and I'm like, yeah. but times are different, but I also think those are the experiences that kind of made me, me. Yeah. Um. So I, I think that while some of those things are tough and especially when you're in the moment as an eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old, like that, that's can be a tough pill to swallow because it does look like everybody else is having all this fun, you know, or staying up, running around, crashing golf carts into each other or whatever else. And it's, it is hard to to make a conscious decision that, Hey, I want to have fun. And there's, there's time for that, but I see a future here. This is a place I want to be for a long time. I'm curious, was there any point during your junior dragster career that you started to think, okay, I could make a run at this. Like there, there may be a way I've, I can see a pathway to making this my career. Every episode of the West Buck Show is made possible by way of our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any on the market. And they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about Redline. For more information, log on to redlineoil.com.
1: Um, you know, that's kind of difficult to answer because so my home track is Bradenton. And the closest big show, yeah, <laughs> um, the closest big show race we have is Gainesville. So for me, I guess probably until I was twelve, all I thought of was, you know, racing was you get into a bit, you get into a super comp car, a top dragster, yeah. And so I didn't, I guess I didn't really know there was more. But once the second this idea of the front engine car came around, and you know it's sitting in the yard, you got this polished, you know, supercharged. It's just like it looks mean. And then I'm looking at saying, you know, I'm going to get to drive this one day. I think that was kind of like the snap. You know what I mean? Because as a kid, you know, you see your friends and they go, oh, I'm getting into a big car. next. That was the thing. Get into a big car next year, right? You turn 16, you go race super comp or top dragster. right? And for me, it was like, I was oh, I want to drive a big car one day. But my big car, I went from juniors to a front engine blown alcohol car with three speed in it. So I guess I think that was the turning point. Because it was like, holy crap! This isn't a junior. This isn't a super comp car. This is like,
0: yeah, real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Big league. The, you're getting into a a real deal big league race car when you make that's not, that kind of jump. Yeah, and that's not discounting you know like no. super
1: comp or the dot ninety class. That's not discounting any of that. But for me, that was kind of the eye opener that you know we we might be able to go race professionally. I might get that opportunity at some point.
0: So take me through what that opportunity has looked like because I've already mentioned some like. Real hitters in our space that you're now associated with, which has to be yeah. a little bit of a surreal experience in and of itself. I'll tell you, Frank Hawley reached out to me personally and told me about the promise that you have as a driver, and I, I've heard that story quite a bit here recently. Will Smith, um, Larry Dixon. I mean, like you're you're making some waves out here. Take me through. So how do we go, we've made the decision, we're going to race the front engine car, race with your dad a little bit, go into the reunion. Now, when did Top Fuel, how did, take us through, how did we get to like getting a Top Fuel license? Because that, there's plenty of racers that set out just to say, hey, I'm going to get my Top Fuel license. I don't know if I'm ever going to do anything with it, but I'm going to say I I did it. What did getting to that point look like for you, Cody? Um.
1: It was a lot. So we sold the front engine car halfway through this year, but we hadn't raced it. We actually converted it into a top fuel car and we were carless at that point. And it's, it's always been kind of an idea that my dad's like, Hey, you know, like if you work really hard, like you have the ability. So if you have the drive and the motivation, you know, you, you can have the opportunity to go race top fuel. And he's probably said it since I was 16. And for me, 16 year old saying, Oh, I'm going to go run top field. I I almost kind of brushed it off. You know what I mean? Like it's, it seems far fetched. Um, but as we went, you know, he discussed it more and it's always, he has always done and worked so hard to try to push me as far as I can go. So we kind of discussed it and discussed it and discussed it. And, uh, Finally, we said we sat down with Frank and Frank had talked to Larry, and it it, it worked out to where this is the opportunity we have. Let's do it. You know, I mean? it was like a, where else are we gonna go, right? Because that's the end game goal, and we don't have the ability to just go hang out for the rest of our lives. So we might as well push forward as hard as we can right away. So I actually got my, uh, I actually got my top fuel license before I ever drove an injected car. Which was crazy for me because I went from, like I said, juniors to a blown alcohol front engine car.
0: Um, I got so I you're running. My you're running six O's. That car has been six O's in the quarter mile. So it it usually ran around six fifties. Okay, but that six O category
1: was yes. that's what people ran in it. Um, so it was it was a big jump for sure because, like I said, we went from juniors to a blown alcohol front engine car to top fuel. It's so, it just like yeah,
0: because that that is a like that's a what a rough uh, that's getting tossed into the deep end, Cody. So th- that is like the equivalent of I don't know, going from like high school wrestling meets to like fighting Mike Tyson. You know, yeah. Um. So you got to tell me, like, is there a story about like I can't imagine what the day of getting my top fuel license looked like for Cody crone. Like the, was this an exciting moment where, so where did it happen? Take me through all the licensing process. So, um, I got my license February 2nd and 3rd of this year in Gainesville. Great place um, to do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we talked with Larry and that's what we planned out. That's what we're going to do. He brought the car down for us, which was huge because it's four hours from home rather than going all the way up to Indy. Yeah. Um, and we got there and there was, a, there was a protest there. So I think Antron, Leo was there, a couple other smaller cars. And it was like we pull into the track the first morning and I, I see Larry Dixon's rig, this big silver rig that says Nitro Experience. And I'm like, just swallow, you know, big gulp and like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, it, it was like you you're pulling into the track and you go from like this excitement and anxiousness to like freaking out.
0: Because there's got to so, be a real question. Like, can I do this? Like, do I want it.
1: to do this? Like, I knew I wanted to. Because so, like, even from the time I started racing juniors, you'd watch top fuel cars on TV. And you're like, I want to drive one of those one day. Yeah. But you get to the track and it goes from, I want to drive one of those one day to, I'm going to drive one of those today. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just the perspective changes. and You go from like pure excitement and hopefulness to like, you kind of start freaking out. Like, I'd be lying if I told anyone I wasn't freaking out. I was nervous as all get out. I didn't eat breakfast. I mean, it was like, because I, I, I was scared. Maybe I go throw up, maybe. And you get all these bad ideas in your head. Like, what if I mess up? What if I mess up? But I'm um, so beyond fortunate because everyone who's helped me has done nothing but giving me positive reinforcement. You know, like, you'll do fine. <laughs> you, you, you've done okay before, you'll do okay again. And... That helps calm you in the moment, but uh,
0: it was nerve wracking. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. What did like? So, did were you familiar with Larry Dixon? Like, did you have a re- an existing relationship at all with Larry? Uh, um, not personally. No. Oh, okay. So
1: I went up. Uh, that was around the PRI show. Yeah. I went up to his shop and got a seat poured in the car, and it was an, and it was an arrangement we were making. Went up there, got a seat board, saw him, met him, shook his hand for the first time and kind of got introduced to him. But that was the extent of it. I didn't know him at a personal level. It's not like he was a family friend or someone who I'd go talk to on the weekends. You know what I mean? Well, so So, does that,
0: how did that help or or how did that impact the situation? Because like now you're at the track, I'm sure you're parked, you know, you're, you're parking across the way from the trailer, right? I can envision this in my mind and it's like, I'm getting out mom, dad with you, I'm sure right? Getting out, walking over toward the rig, like w- take us through some of that. Like, cause it getting, it's crazy to the th- all the things that you're having to f- deal with in this moment. Like you got to get to know Larry, you got to get to know all these crew guys. You've got all these faces that you're about to be introduced to. Um, and you're going to jump behind the wheel of a 11,000 horsepower race car and, and fire wallet like that. So it seems like a lot to process in a moment.
1: Um, it was a ton to process. I mean, absolutely. There
0: was so many
1: stimuli going on at once. Yeah. But for me, I think the fact that Larry was willing to let me license in his car, calmed me down a bit. Cause you have this guy that's a three times champion. He's extremely successful. He's proven that multiple ways and he's going to let me drive his car. And I, I'm unfortunate. Like I don't see Larry Dixon stand on the side of the standing on a street corner with a sign that says want to drive my car no so for me that that was that probably calmed me down a little bit <laughs> um knowing that he was willing to make that trip down there he was willing to drive the time to get down there set up bring guys bring a bring tony short all the it, and believe in me enough to take his time and his effort to go do it. it says a lot yeah that that was there was a lot of words there just by him being there that he hadn't spoke
0: So now it's time. So now you're you're talking to what, tell me, take me through, like, did he have some like words of wisdom? Was there a lot that he, or or, or like, how does that, what does that process even look like? Cause I know I've warmed a top fuel car up, um, and I intend to drive one, uh, sooner rather than later. I'm going to go and put that into the atmosphere. I'm working on, there you go. But, um, I will say like, it was interesting Like I was surprised that it wasn't as loud as I thought it was going to be because, you know, where you're sitting, right? You know what I mean? Like you're in front of the engine. That was a new experience for me personally. Um, Just little nuances like that, like where stuff was at. I'm curious, but Palmer and his whole team, I, I warmed up Scott Palmer's car at Indy two years ago, and it was like, I was kind of blown away with how they're so comfortable with everything, and they're so they've been through it so many times. They didn't really have a lot of issue explaining it to me or like bringing me up to speed. I'd love to hear about like your experience of being in the car. I mean, you'd already had a seat poured, right? But like, what was the whole situation like? Like, hey, we're, this is our warm up process. This is our blah 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 blah. Take us through it. Yeah. So the
1: initial meeting. I mean, we went through went through the warm up process. What everything is just getting introduced to the car, you know, every car has got a personality you got to (laughs) meet. Um, so that was big just sitting in there. Like that night I went in there, I sat with everything on, just kind of felt around, wiggles around, shook around, felt where all the buttons, levers, switches, anything was, um, driving wise, Frank Holly taught me a ton about, I mean, my dad taught me a ton about driving, but Frank helped me on the run by run basis, teach me what to do, how to stay calm. But Larry took me aside um, before the first run, which was the following day. Um, He took me aside and he goes, you're going to like, I guess he could tell I was freaking out. I tried to like, you know, look cool, right? Want to be the cool guy. Right. I was freaking out. And I think he could see right through that and could tell. And he pulled me aside and he's like, you know what? You're going to do okay. He goes, you're going to sit in it. It's going to start in front of the water box and you're going to do okay. And so there was like, I didn't, I had, an, I had yeah, I constructive chills. Like I've got the hair
0: standing <laughs> up on my neck.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's how it was for me. I mean, cause I had, you know, I got my dad teaching me and helping me push me through all this and giving me every ounce of guidance that I need. I got Frank Hawley helping teach me how to drive. And then I got Larry Dixon telling me it's going to be okay. You know what I mean? So for me, that's like, you, know, you can make a superhero force out of those three guys for me. No doubt. <laughs> and, uh, it was that kind of calmed me down and we, we went there and we showed up for my first run. It was a planned half track run and we're sitting there in the water box and they start the thing and you know, you're sitting, I'm like, man, I don't remember cause I'd gotten out of a front engine car. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, I can see so much, yeah, but I'm so low to the ground. <laughs> and it's like, it's different for me. And they start the thing and it starts cackling, it starts popping. I'm sitting in there rocking about like this yeah, and I'm like, I, I might have thrown it up in my mouth a little bit. I, I might have, because yeah. at that moment it went from man, this is exciting, t- back to that whole oh my god, really happening. <laughs> it's it's really happening right now. You know, like the the things that you dreamed about as a little kid or you watched on TV. It's like holy crap, like this is as far up as you can go when it comes to NHRA racing. And I'm at that time I was 18 years old, and I'm sitting in one of these things in front of the water box, and he just told me to pull it on the high side. He just told me to turn the fuel on. At that point, it's like, you're freaking out. You're sweating. You're shaking. And you're trying to do whatever you can to stay calm.
0: Which I can't imagine being very easy to to achieve. So one of the things that I'm always shocked by is, like, can you – what was it like? You roll through that puddle of water on the track that Kenny Bernstein went 300 miles per hour on, right? All this history – and you mat it right, and it's like thank God these things have a throttle, you know, have a, a, a throttle stop on them and whatnot. Like you know, Clay Milliken does a burnout in one with those damn things without one, which I think is impressive. Awesome. impressive, but that's, was uh, that like was it a what was that moment like the first time you moved the throttle pedal? You got that hook pedal on those big ass boots. You mat it. I'm sure that was a a situation in and of itself. Um. So from the moment I rolled through
1: the water box, you know, I'm rolling through kind of feather the clutch a little bit, get some momentum going. And Larry's like standing about right next to me. His signal to do the burnout was he lifts his arm up and I'm sitting there and I'm like a little kid in this thing, looking out, freaking out. And I see him start lifting his arm and I whack the throttle. And the thing goes, Whoa. And it picks the, I got, there's a video and it picks the back tires up off the ground and you can hear it and you can feel it. And all of a sudden you go from sitting right next to the ground to you're quite a ways above the ground. Cause the tires grow and it's like, What's going on here? So, I mean, but from that moment on, I mean, it was more of, okay, now you're here. You can't shut the thing off. You can't step out of it. You got to do it now. And uh, that was, I think from that moment, I did really calm down because I was like, well, there's only one option at this point. Or I guess there's two. You could could shut the thing off and look like a total idiot, or you can go out there and do it and do it well. So I said, "Okay, everyone's worked hard. Larry brought the car down. My dad worked to pay for me to get here.
0: I'm not gonna let everyone down. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it." <laughs> yeah. So I did it, <laughs> and I can't imagine uh, what that was like—the first time uh, stand, and the gas in this thing. Yeah. But I mean, long story short is that you successful testing out, and then over the course of Another day, I think maybe, or what was the? You ended up getting your top fuel license. I'm curious, like when the plan started to come together, and and what this has looked like for you and your family and everybody else involved, like making the decision that, hey, we're going to run St. Louis um and and go from there like so what take us through like kind of the evolution of this because obviously your relationship has grown with larry dixon since this time back in february a lot's happened in a relatively short amount of time i mean it's hard to believe it's october but february wasn't that long ago um take us through kind of what this whirlwind 2023 has looked like for you and your family because you know, there's a lot that goes into top fuel racing that goes far beyond what we just talked about. You and the car and the thrill and the nerves and all those things. There's this whole world of the business implications, the finances, the logistics, the array. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. So so how did we get to St. Louis? I mean, for those that are just joining us, you're making uh, your top fuel debut this past weekend at the uh, NHRA Midwest Nationals. I mean, what? how did this all – how did we get here? Um. So – we uh, made an
1: arrangement to actually go run an alcohol car, the Samsung family car, just because it was it was a chance to get runs down the track in a yep. car with a very similar procedure, and that was good. You know, we did well with that car. We went to three finals and we didn't win any, but we went to three finals. It was a or four finals, and it was it was a good car and it got me laps down the track because, like I said before that, I hadn't been before this year. I had not been entered at a NHRA national event. So I did just kind of show up and show out, I guess you could say, but that gave me that chance to go make some runs and come Norwalk. We decided we're going to go top fuel racing. It's a lot of money. We're spending a lot of money. Let's take a break from the alcohol thing and really just put our nose down towards that. And, uh, that's what we did. And we chose St. Louis specifically because that's, it's a pretty central area. We have a lot of people who we could bring in and that's, essentially we could bring people to the track and say this is what it is because it's it's something from from an outsider's aspect or from a sponsor's aspect you can express this over an email or a proposal or you can't show someone a video and express what it is yeah i agree so for us that was geographically that was the best location that it was central we could bring people there we could show them what an event is and show them what a top fuel car is and I mean, financially, it's primarily funded by my parents and I'm not going to be someone to discount that. I'm not going to be someone to act like I did it on my own because there's not, without my parents helping
0: me, I may as well still be in a junior dragster. (laughs) Well, and I I mean, I think that a lot of that, a lot gets made of that stuff, right? But I mean, here's the thing, like you don't have to look very far I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but like you you can look at the White House and find out that like you can still you can give kids everything in the world and they still may not it may not work out. Right. So like there's plenty of examples of that. And I honestly think in this day, I mean, especially in our sport, I'm blown away with like the the type of people that our sport produces. Like, I'm sure there's some spoiled rich kid that we could labor over how much of a jerk he was, but I don't see that in our sport. And it's because there are so many people that while they maybe have reached some sort of perceived level of success financially, like they came by it more often than not the hard way. It's a group of people that are like blue collar, hardworking, do it yourselfers in a in uh with bellies full of ingenuity right, and like mm-hmm. that are gonna find a way, and I just I don't know by and large, this is a community uh that produces incredible people and incredible citizens, so I don't let anybody flip you any crap over that, like I hope to afford my kids a better life than my parents afforded me, and I hope that they do the same i too much gets spent on that, like I see you demonstrate your character in many other ways, right, like the yeah. way you carry yourself, the way you behave. Um, when no one's looking right, those are what like define us. And, but I appreciate you also being like man enough to just take that on head on. Cause I'm sure that does get tiring because there's yeah, a lot of it, that, it, you know, and it definitely gets brought up. And for me, the way I look at it is
1: I, I don't like saying this kind of set of words, but I'm not a rich kid. <laughs> it, it, and that maybe I'll get some crap for that. But at the end of the day, every day when i wake up there is not one person i'm 19 so there's not one person in this world that owes me anything and every step of my life basically especially my racing career there's been a ton of stuff handed to me so to that i owe huge thanks to everyone who's helped me but i also owe it to them to do whatever i can with what they've given me and that's like for me that's that's such a huge part of being able to go run top fuels because not just the financial side but like I said, my parents have stuck by my side the entire time. And I, I've put them through the ringer a few times. You know, uh, I, I hey was. Man,
0: we're all guilty of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like for like without them being there, I wouldn't be here. And have you. I, I tell people this a lot and you hit the nail on the head a minute ago, buddy. Uh, expecting nothing like I tell my guys, I tell my kids expect nothing accept everything. Because the world, like if you're doing things in the way I look at life, like if you're putting good out into the world, good is going to come back your way. And it's your job to accept it when it shows up. And that's what I think that you're doing is that you're not going in every day or any of these situations expecting it to be given to you or expected it to be done for you or expecting it to be easy or whatever the case may be. But when opportunities come your way, you're going to make the most of them. You're going to accept them. And I think that that, totally makes the story work where maybe it doesn't if there's that expectation connected to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. And like, for me, it's, I know
1: that nothing is given because my dad has a landscaping and stonework business. You know, he, he goes outside and works every day outside in the heat in Florida so that I have the ability to drive a top fuel car. And at, on that same note, he gave me the ability instead of going to work at a grocery store or restaurant to take what it took to start my own business and start doing detailing and ceramic coating. And there's just like, there's so much that went into that weekend that you can't, you can't just talk about it. You can't express it in an hour talk or a two day talk or a 10 year talk probably. Yeah. Because like just for that one weekend, the amount of effort and time and I don't. Everything that went into that one weekend, it, it just amounts to so much more than what you can express. And I think that's one of the reasons why that weekend was so valuable to me. Like, it was great. It was my top fuel debut. It, it may open up a ton more gates, but it was also like like a checkpoint, if you will, because we worked that hard to get that far, and we got that far.
0: <laughs> and I gotta tell you, man, I I would like for those that are like keeping score at home. I mean, you qualify. With a 381 at 319, bump into what was a competitive field. Like my boy's on here. You bump my buddy, buddy hole out. Right. I I felt bad about that. He was yeah, letting us use this generator for the weekend, too. <laughs> he's my dog. He's a good guy, man. He's right down here by me in Frisco. He's a, mm-hmm. a great, great human being. Kind of just getting to know him the last year or whatever, but really a uh, fantastic guy. But no, I mean, I'm just, and I say that because it's, you know, we've seen fields that, and there's events on the schedule that you can kind of cherry pick if you're you to go, hey, we're going to, like, if we go to this one, we're getting in. Like, if you would have went to Epping, You know you don't even really have to worry about qualifying because there's barely going to be enough cars there and i think it's interesting because for all those things that you said about st louis it could also be argued that that's like a tough place to go try to make a dent because everybody's been running all year the weather's typically good there tracks typically good there um that's a tough one, but you guys threw your hat into the ring, walked away fifth, number 15 qualifier. You got to run Mike Salinas in the first round of action. Uh, you leave on the old boy, 078 to his 105, um, and it, it, it kicked the belt off of it or something, didn't it?
1: Yeah, it, uh, it actually sunk a piston. It melted a okay. piston, and Tony Shortall shut it off about a couple, couple hundredths right before the pan, pe- uh, pan pressure switch shut it off. So props to him for doing that because he might yeah. have saved a lot more damage. Um, but, I mean,
0: I, I, I can't imagine asking for much more successful of an outing in Top Fuel in 2023 than what you guys had in St. Louis. I mean, when you guys reconvened at the trailer, you know, let's back up. We're shortcoming. We're We're skipping. What was yeah. it like Saturday night knowing you made the field? Like sitting there in this moment, all that you just talked about with your, with your parents, who I'd like to learn a little bit more about as well. Um, what was that moment like on, on Saturday night? Um, I don't think I realized what happened
1: Saturday night. Um, I don't like, especially after the last qualifier. I don't think I really caught up to We just qualified at our first national event. We showed up. Uh, it's the countdown. You know, people are swinging for the fences right now. Yeah. People are doing whatever they can. They've saved up the the best of their best stuff to run at this time of the year. And we just show up out of nowhere and we may have ruined a couple people's days. Uh but but that's racing. You know, we came out here to compete and although we didn't win the race, we showed up on Sunday. Which is a victory in itself and especially at the debut, it was like we didn't just show up and disappear. We got some people talking about us, you know, like who
0: who is this like what you said who is Cody. (laughs) I have no idea. Like I literally, I, I, you know, and that's why I was excited to talk to you because, uh, I thought, you know what? I I just, to be honest, man, I I have an infinite amount of respect for it. And I, I feel blessed that I've had a unique perspective for a long time here, like just getting a front row seat to a lot of cool stuff and, uh, getting to kind of look behind the curtain on a whole lot of things. But I know, a lot about like what it takes to get to that, and like you're talking about all those pieces of the puzzle, and the people, uh, and the commitment that's required from all these people that are oftentimes strangers or not family. You know what I mean? Like no one. It's not like I need to do this because Cody's my brother or because because Cody's my cousin or he's married to my sister or whatever. Like the coming together that is required from all these people and the trust that, and belief that is required it can't be overstated how significant it is. And I just, the coolest thing about drag racing or one of the cool things, like as hard as it is, it's so rewarding because like you don't have to win for like you guys, I hope left with your heads held high because absolutely you're guilty by association in the most exclusive elite club that exists in drag racing today is top fuel and funny car. I mean, that is, those rides are impossible to get the people that do get them are rich, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a rough, rough go of it. And to even have the balls to attempt it is one thing, but to do what you did in St. Louis, Cody was really like, it was incredibly impressive. I mean, I'm curious, did you guys feel that? Like, I mean, tell me about your mom and dad, like how are they feeling about this whole moment in time right now, seeing their son have this, 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 like I said, moment in the sun. And hey, gang, remember that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is made possible by way of the team at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment from drag chutes and seat belts to fire suits and blankets, all 100% made in America. So log on to StroudSafety.com and make sure you tell them we sent you.
1: Um, I, I hope they felt great about it. <laughs> um, I
0: know definitely for the weekend we
1: were all throughout, we were all a little overwhelmed, like Saturday morning. I was playing parking guy. I was riding around in my little Honda Grom parking people that were coming for us, figuring out logistical stuff. Yeah. My my dad was still figuring out logistical stuff. My mom was laying out t-shirts for the guys to wear for the day or polo shirts for the guys to wear for the day. So it was a lot of work in the moment. And I I think just from the conversation since, I think it's starting to catch up with them as well that we did really well. You know, we didn't go out there. We didn't leave with a Wally, but in the grand scheme of things, we did really well as a
0: team. I can't argue, um, man. I feel like, you know, like I said, you start when you're watching from even afar and you can sense like, hey, man, this deal is put together. There was no I didn't see any like watching the NHRA.tv broadcast and like dealing with people that we had on the ground. It's like I didn't see any of the, the things that you typically see, like with a new team. Like, mm-hmm. I was surprised at the way, like, just the starting line, line procedure, backing up from burnout, staging, all those things that happen getting from under the tower to the starting line, right? There's a lot of moving parts in that moment yeah. in time, and everybody's got to do their thing. And you guys looked pretty well oiled, you know, in that moment. Where does yeah. that, w- w- what's the future look like for you guys? I mean, and because we got to talk shop here, we got to talk a little business, like the business of Top Fuel Racing is a whole thing in and of itself. You talked about sponsors, bringing in guests, you're doing custom cruise shirts for everybody. Like where what are your kind of what's the action plan? What what's your vision for the future of Cody Crone's drag racing career? Um so just like you said it's there's a lot that
1: goes on. it's no longer five guys in a garage. It's a lot of people, it's sponsors, it's influencers, it's people working and for us, like in St. Louis, we had a few sponsors. We had JBS Equipment, Justin Bond, the Pro Mod Driver. We had Bob McCosh Chevrolet, the alcohol funny car driver. Columbia, Missouri no, Zone. I'm sorry. Columbia, Missouri Zone. Hey, that's where I was born. So I, it was cool to have him help me out. But no that, those okay. those were people that just believed in our idea, right? Because I had nothing to sell. Those were people that just had faith in me. And going forward is now we have something to sell. We have. We have a race, you know, we have a race that we entered in. We did all right at, we did it. We looked professional doing it. I mean, that was our big goal. Frank said something. He said, uh, as stupid as you may be, not directed. I mean, as stupid as you may be, don't look stupid. And that was our goal. We, We were trying to put together something that looked professional and well done and well planned. And our goal going forward from here is using that weekend as a tool, using it as an asset to uh, build on it and, and maybe find those sponsors and find those right people to partner with and build relationships with to help us keep doing it and keep doing it better. And I think that
0: that like people perhaps under, what's the word uh, like undervalue that. Cause what you did is something that we do is like a content mining situation mm-hmm. where it's like, I've had this conversation with a lot of people, especially when it comes to like new projects. They're like, Hey, I want to do this new thing or whatever. It's like, well, Hey, doing this X, Y, Z new thing, we're, we're going to need all this material. Like we need assets. We need content. Like we, how, we need the tools and the ingredients to tell that story And until you do what, whatever it is we're talking about, we're pitching a dream, which I love pitching a dream. And I'm certainly yeah. capable of doing it. Like I'm all about pitching blue sky. I can do it all day long, but man, it makes things easier when you've got like, Hey, here's the race we went to. Here's how yeah. we did. Here's the car I drove. Oh, here's a video of it. At least you have some of those assets because I do see plenty of like aspiring race car drivers out there that are like, they've got the cruise shirts, right? They got the business cards made. They got the sponsor deck. And it's like, hey, all this time and energy you're putting into that, you may be wise to like go run a car. Go get your license at, at Holly's and then get, get a deal with Randy Meyer. Get a deal with somebody. Get a one race deal. Or at one test session deal and go do it because you're going to need those materials to get to the next level no matter what. Like you're going to almost have to have those materials. So now that you have those materials, um, and like you said, I feel like you did it. You didn't look stupid doing it. You looked really good doing it. Um, and you've got like some of the things that I was reading in that auto week article. It's like, it's been a hot minute since we've had like the teenage guy or like the really, really young. We've had, we've been blessed to have plenty of young people, uh, involved in the sport, but this is a fun storyline that I could see our sport kind of rallying around. So like, what's the, what's, what's the next step? I mean, are you guys contemplating any sort of schedule for 2024? Is it two, th- too early to, to consider those things or what are you looking at doing next
1: for us? It's, I would definitely say it's too early to consider a set schedule for 2024 simply because like I said before, my dad's a blue collar worker. I'm a blue collar worker and that car. I mean, we had people helping us with JBS equipment and Bob McCosh helping us because they believed in our idea, but we need to, from there, the plan is the CK logo on the side of the car is every race, have it get a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller and someone else's get a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And I mean, that's all it comes down to because my, me and my family, we're, we're not rich people. This isn't someone where I can go out there and say, Oh, just put it on my tab. Right. And, I understand. And yeah. That's, we, we got to work really hard to sell what we have and, and find the right partners
0: to help us keep doing it. Do you see any like what's uh, is there a one of the hardest things about top fuel is that there's no like a fuel is fantastic. And I guess what I'm asking is, do you see any value in like trying to go get laps and go be out there and be visible? Because one thing I've really been impressed by the last few seasons is how many stars are being born out of top alcohol dragster right now. Yeah. Like. I'm genuinely shocked about it. I mean, what? and I think, in my opinion, and don't get me wrong, there's been plenty of very successful and ultimately very successful people to come from Top Alcohol. This isn't a new thing. Mm-hmm. But it seems like there's some – the social media, the internet, the connectivity that exists today has allowed – you don't have to race NHRA Top Fuel to develop a following, right? You, you can race – I mean, some of the biggest stars in motorsports or in drag racing – are no prep Kings guys or radial tire guys. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. There's a lot of ways to, to skin the cat. Now, do you feel any desire or what's your thought about like building your own brand, maybe by renting, like making it well known that the goal is to race top fuel, but I want to go become more of a face and kind of develop my, my brand out here in top alcohol or, or what do you think the, so I probably won't go back
1: to top alcohol. But that being said, after I raced top alcohol, I spent 5 races with Tim Wilkerson and I spent 2 races working on Jackie Fricks alcohol car, just being at the races being to there. build who I am. You know, I got to go out there and I was working, but I was shaking hands, I was introducing, I, I became familiar with some people. Um but I I don't see for me it doesn't make sense to go back down because we've we've put so much into top fuel. So to take a step back would be like, "Oh, that was fun once, let's go right. back. Oh no, I and, totally and understand. And, and that's not saying, I mean, you got someone like Julie Natus who has absolutely blown up because of alcohol racing. You know, she has made a huge statement. Anyone at the drag strip knows who she is and she has desires to go top fuel racing as well. And there's nothing wrong with top alcohol, but for me, it makes more sense because the end game goal is to be a team owner and a team operator. And it's always kind of been, if you're going to do it, Why wait? We're we're swinging for the fences.
0: Yeah. I mean, hey, listen, I mean, a case can be made. I mean, like you said, I think that Julie is probably one of the best examples, but there are many. I mean, uh, the Myers girls, right? I mean, there's just the Salinas girl. Like there's a lot of people, Madison Payne. The, I mean, my gosh, the list goes on. There's tons of people. Ch- uh, Chad Green, son, Hunter. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that are, like, developing. Mike Lewis, my, my God, the run that he's had. I mean, he's no stranger out here. Everybody knows who he is, and he's been around the game for a long time. But it's, it's crazy how that pla- – it feels like that class's status in our space is elevating right now. So I was just curious if, like – but you, you hit the nail on the head. I think musicians experience this when they gig – like it's not always the most glamorous thing, but being out there, like on the road, meeting the people, shaking the hands, living the life, like that's a valuable experience. What was it like going out and like working on Wilkerson's car? And like, what, what, what's your take on the, those experiences? Because I, I mean, working on Jackie Frick stuff, you're working hard, working on the Wilkerson team. I'm sure that was a great experience as well.
1: Yeah, that was great for me because that was my first real experience being around a fuel car during a race. And it was a funny car and I drove a dragster, but yeah. it, was, it gave me time to not only be out there and meet the people, but to get familiar with the car itself and go out there and watch other people run and watch people make mistakes and say, okay, maybe I shouldn't do that. Or yeah. go out there and watch a team set the world on fire and say, what did they do differently from everyone else? But for me, I mean, there was a memorable moment in, uh, in Topeka where I was draining the puke tank on the back of Tim's car. You know, standing there bent over watching this nasty 78 or 98 or whatever it is, thick, nasty green stuff. <laughs> and someone comes up to the rope and says, Aren't you Cody Crone? I, I saw your stuff on social media. You've been racing that alcohol car, right? So for me, it was like little instances like that helps because, like I said, I was going out there to not only learn about racing, but to meet people and create a yeah. name for like what is CK Racing. It was. I think this was also, no, this was in Brainerd. I went over to Scott Palmer's trailer. Cause I heard that Bobby Logano was over there and I wanted to talk about something with him. And I walk up in there and Bobby and Scott were talking and, uh, I just kind of went over there and introduced myself to Scott cause I'd never met him. And about halfway through, he goes, so what's that CK on your hat? And Bobby turns to him and goes, well, that's CK for Cody Crone. He goes, who's that? I go, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like things like that. Like th- yeah. they, they all help because it, it kind of creates a buzz
0: about who I am. Well, you gotta not- be there. Like you gotta be there. Like it's yeah. so hard. Um, but and it's, it's especially challenging, like l- later in life and different seasons of your life. But I'll tell you, man, I point to that time and time again. Uh, I, some of the best advice I ever got from, uh, in the racing business was from Chris Econimacki, who is the founder of uh, speed sport news, which is a <laughs> huge motorsports magazine. Anyways, um, he told me, go to the races that like, that was his secret to success. Go to the races. And it sounds almost like, duh. Right. And I, I think in the moment, part of me thought whenever he said this to me, I go, well, what a dick. I'm like, of course go <laughs> to the race. Thanks for the, you know, in right? wisdom, brother, you know, really appreciate it here. I was looking for like a gem, like a nugget, <laughs> you know? And something that I would like get tattooed on my arm, like some words (laughs) that would really inspire me. But I look back and I go, Oh my God, he was so right. Like those in those words were inspiring, more inspiring than I gave them credit for in the moment. But it it reinforced this notion that like, this is never going to happen at home. I've got to go to the races. I've got to meet these people. I've got to build a network. I've got to, you know, make these connections that are going to, you know, come back around at some point later in life. And, it's uh i think that's really wise maybe beyond your years where does, you know where it comes from and i'm going to answer my own question like i was getting ready to ask where does this like skill set or knowledge come from about like building a business but it's small business you guys your family is a small business owners yeah like that so much good is rooted in growing up in a small business i mean you have to how valuable has that experience been like working with your dad, working for yourself now with your ceramic coating business and detailing business? Like how valuable has that been in building CK racing? It's been huge because just like you said, racing anymore,
1: it's a business. You know, you go out there and you have a business and whether that, whether your job is to work on the car or to drive the car or to manage tickets, it's a business out there. And for me, as as a detailer, you know, I started off mobile detailing and now I primarily work at a shop, but it's, you know, you go out there, you have customer interactions, you meet new people, you, you can read people a little bit better and you can learn how to handle different situations that maybe someone throws at you to where it's like, if you do work for someone and say, I've never had this happen. (laughs) Just a disclaimer, but they say, I don't like it. I don't want, I don't want to pay you. You know, situations like that, it's, it's a curveball right and yeah. for me as a 19 year old i've i started this when i was a junior in high school it's when someone throws a curveball at you you got to figure it out right then and there right so that's definitely influenced us in the racing aspect because there's no lollygagging right you can't just brush it off i'll, I'll get to that later you no. know what i mean it's you got to do it then and there and you got to be prompt and people who are prompt and efficient in what they do are usually successful and that's i'm definitely seeing that relay into racing and to be successful, you have to have those characteristics.
0: What do you make of Frank Holly's involvement in this whole deal? Like, because I, I truly, I think he's a, he's a well-established, like, don't get me wrong. I, I say this, he's no secret. But I don't think people really truly understand how good he is, like, and how much he has to offer. Like, it's not going going to Frank Holly's, like, the experience of racing the car or whatever is like such a fraction of what you're able to glean from this guy um, that has this incredible breadth, like, wealth of knowledge. I'm curious, like how did you develop your relationship with Frank Hawley and what has his involvement meant to you like personally and how has it impacted your career so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's probably the biggest. So you can go to Frank's school and you can learn how to drive a race car, but you learn how to think, Yeah, which is such a weird thing to say because everyone's like, oh, well, I think all the time. No, no, you learn how to think, Right. And, and that's huge for me because I don't, I don't know how he does it, but he gets it. <laughs> I mean, he can explain what you're thinking when you don't know what you're thinking. And for me, that's been huge And because every single one of my licenses I've done through Frank's school, and every time there's been a curveball when it comes to driving, he, he's been able to – when I get back from running, he goes, what do you think? And I go, I don't know. He goes, I know what. <laughs> and, and he can explain it before you realize what's going on. So for him to help me through all of it has been huge because – Whenever I get those curveballs mentally, he's been able to help me with it. You know what I mean? So yeah. he, he definitely has has had a huge impact on me. And uh, my dad actually got his funny car license through Frank. And the way my dad and Frank know each other, it's a weird story. But the you guy my dad was great. helping – yeah, the guy my dad was helping whenever he was way younger – had just bought a new car that was out in California and it needed to be brought back. Well, Frank was in California and needed a way to get home. He didn't have any gas money. So somehow, some way, who knows? You know, There was no Facebook where you could post, hey, anybody right. in California want to bring a trailer back? I don't know how it worked out. And like I said, I've heard the story, but I couldn't tell you word for word. I'd have to bring someone else in to tell you. One way or another, Frank got back home because he picked up a car for someone that my dad was helping. And that's how he got his gas when he get back home. And I, I wish my dad or Frank was here right now so that they could fully explain the story. Cause every time I heard it, it out of
0: him, don't you worry.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, no, he, I mean, it was the same situation with my dad. The story I've heard from my dad is that he got into the alcohol funny car at Frank's school. And that's when it was still a three speed car and he sat in it and he said, no way. He, he didn't want to do it. And Frank told him, do it. You know he's sitting there let him close the body let him start it and do it and you'll be fine and w- I mean I don't know with without that happening I may have never been here you know wow. what I mean yeah so it's it's Frank has definitely had a huge impact in not only me racing but my dad racing and the way I think about a lot of things in life just it, he's got the perspectives that some people don't
0: Oh, guys, real quick, let's take a minute and pay some bills here. The West Buck Show is brought to you by way of FlowRacing.com. If you're a drag racer or a hardcore drag racing fan, you got to get on board with Flow Racing. The world leader in sports live streaming, Flow Racing provides unlimited coverage of drag racing's biggest events like Donald Long's Lights Out, No Mercy, and Sweet 16, every stop on the PDRA and NMCA tours, Funny Car Chaos, World Cup Finals, Streetcar Super Nationals, the Drag Illustrated World Series of Pro Mod, and much, much more. Personally, Flow Racing is a fixture in my life. I'm able to follow along with multiple racing events from the comfort of of my own home or while I'm out on the road. The platform provided by Flow Racing is changing the sport for the better, and there is no limit to the good they can do here. So log on to FlowRacing.com today and join the movement. It's incredible. I feel like every time I talk to Frank, it's like he's one of those guys that leaves you a little better than he found you. No matter what – the situation is he's going to leave you a little better than he found you. And yeah. I think that's a a remarkable trait. I, I challenge myself to be that guy. Like I want to be that guy um, in other people's lives, but I'm what are you, what you talked about bringing all these folks to the track. And I know Frank was there and Dixon, obviously team owner and all these other people short all um, what was the reaction? Like, did you have some guests there that you feel like I heard you talking about tickets? I mean, do you feel like there's some opportunity, Cody? I mean, I know there are, I mean, we see a lot of people out there struggling, fighting the good fight, right, guys? Yeah. I mean, I I, mean, I think it could probably be argued that Larry wishes that he had a full-time program or had a, you know, had a full-time driver situation. What's your kind of overall take on the opportunity that exists? Do you feel – are you feeling good? Do you feel optimistic? Yeah. Do you have some – where are you at in that process? I mean, are you – obviously, we're early on, so we're fired yeah. up. We're full of excitement. But, I mean, what's it looking like? What's the forecast? Um, for me, I'm, I'm a very
1: um, optimistic person, right? I'm, I'm always going to look got for it. the one speck of gold in the bucket of dirt. Right. And I'm going to focus on that because that, you know, if I've spent my time being bummed out about something, it's worthless. But oh, I, I, once again, I we had some people come out, we had some people really enjoy it. We got to introduce some people to it. And I'm very optimistic about, our future and I, every time I address, I don't address myself. I address our or we, cause I talk about everyone that's helped me. Cause it's not just me, but uh, I'm very oper- uh, uh, optimistic about our future. And I, I think one thing that I have going for me and I'm very fortunate to have started this early is cause I'm still a teenager. I'm still a kid. I can't go out there and I can't go get an alcohol sponsorship because I'm only 19. You know, I was yeah. thinking about it. it Hypoth- hypothetically, if something went crazy and I went out there and won my first race, I couldn't have the champagne bottle at the other end. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's for me. Everyone's got their tools that they can use to market. They have a backstory. Or they have an association, and and for me, that's that's what I got. Set me apart is that
0: I'm the new guy, right? I, In and then, really, like, decidedly young guy, like a it's not like a spin. It's not like you're my age and yeah. like can wear skinny jeans and like try to call myself young and hip. Right. But like, <laughs> you're actually 19. Like, I mean, you're right. Yeah. Like, cause for whatever doors are closed, the booze ones or whatever, it seems like there's probably some that are wide open because of the fact yeah. that you're a clean cut 19 year old man. Yeah. And that's,
1: that's their big thing is trying to figure out how, how can we market that? And it's like, for me, I don't like taking Right. I don't like taking something. So I want to, as we go down this road, I want to find something that whoever helps me out, I can help them back. It is my big thing, but it's, that's my opportunity. That's the card I've been dealt. And that's the, that's the hand I'm going to keep playing because that's, like I said, I'm the new guy. I'm I'm the young guy. There's, I'm probably going to make some stupid mistakes as I do it, but that's, that's what I got going for me right now, and I owe that to everyone who's pushed me to keep doing it because, like I said, it's like I'm 19. I couldn't do this on my own. So for me to have the opportunity to do it while I'm still 19, it, it works out really well, and that's that's my
0: pitch, if you will. <laughs> How crazy, like this badass video that's on your social that Corey Mahalik did, who's, mm-hmm. a, a, who's a, the vid the vid god, Um, the vid God, um, your, your content creations on point, like I noticed it on your reels and like, even like, even not as produced as this stuff, you clearly Mm -hmm. have like an appreciation for content creation or like Mm -hmm. recognize the value. Is that something that you're, cause in our sport, and I promise I'll let you go eventually and we'll wind this down. But that's all right. I appreciate your time and candor, Cody. But do you feel like that's a place where you have a little bit of an edge? Because you see, if you look through the pits and just go trailer to trailer to trailer, you, you go, okay, well, they're trying a little bit, posting every once in a while. This team hasn't posted on their social media since 1988, it didn't exist then. You know, this person's got like a MySpace page, you know, they're trying. But like you're on the cutting edge of some of this content stuff. You're doing a lot of the vlog stuff, showing the behind the scenes, introducing uh, people to you, um, to your brand and, and your personality. Like, is that something that's been conscious, like, or is it just the way of the world in 2023 where you knew you had to? So this is gonna
1: sound so backwards. I am terrible with social media. Okay. Um, I am absolutely awful with I'm not okay maybe not absolutely awful I get it I know how to work it but I actually have one of my sister's friends who is going to college for social relations and PR she is helping me out with all of my social medias and it as she's doing it teaching me how to do it well and as as you can see from our social media is they're updated they're consistent they keep everyone informed and it's like when we had 20 followers we were still giving like hourly updates on the story or posting reels. And for me, I mean, I think that's definitely been huge for us because as someone, when I had 300 followers, I posted a reel that got 8,000 views. And I'm not going to, the person who's going to want to invest and sponsor me may not be sitting on their couch on Facebook on a Friday afternoon, but the person sitting on their couch on Facebook might be able to help me out in some way and say, Hey, this is, you know, this is cool. So for me, social media is definitely huge, and it's, I definitely believe it's the way of the world. I mean, you can look at TikTok where it, the, the, the viewer, the fan base of who's watching this is random, right? You can be nobody and post a video, oh. and it can go up there and get millions and millions of views. There's no doubt, man.
0: There's no doubt. I actually had a guy tell me the other day, who was I talking to? can't remember it was somebody in the nascar space and it was a a, this young guy was like a gamer um Mm -hmm. and he was wanting to like break into racing and motorsports or whatever and some of the people handling like his career and kind of like catering to or like nurturing him along the way they told him that and it's funny because it kind of flies in the face of what i was saying a second ago about like going and getting laps and being at the races they told him go create content like, mm-hmm. don't worry about entering a gazillion races, go out and build your brand, develop a following, get these people to to care about you, and you'll be able to do whatever you want, mm-hmm. including go racing, if that's what you want to do. And it's kind of like, if you look at like Jake Paul and Logan Paul, the YouTubers, mm-hmm. they pre- they've built so much of an audience, they can do whatever they want, they can box, they can do usc stuff they can do any sort of motorsport i mean i don't know that there's anything those two couldn't say they want to do that someone wouldn't say here's okay here it is you want to drive a a red bull air race plane here you go here's a plane we're going to teach you how to fly it over the weekend and you know i mean and that's that's a model now to like build your following and then you can go do whatever you want well because from these social media
1: platforms you can So people spend so much time on their phones, right? Just, I mean, uh, I don't know about you, but it happens to me where I'll just be sitting there scrolling through reels, just flicking through them, not even realizing what's happening. And your brain's taking in that information, but that's become such, it it like dominates what's going on. So social media has had such an influence. You have people who are full-time nothing but influencers. Yeah. Right? So it's like social media is definitely going to be huge, bigger than it is now. When it comes to motorsports, I mean, of all kinds. So for me, finding a way to use that as a tool to benefit us will be huge. It's definitely helped us a ton. But it's like even the FL2K events. That's I I completely forgot about those. And the other day, something came up for FL2K. And I'm like, oh, I remember that. And I'm going to go out there this weekend just just to do it, just to see what's going on for an evening. So it's like stuff like that where – you you don't have newspaper articles anymore about a racing event. You don't like you can have articles in a national dragster. I mean, and that's not discount articles in national drag art articles. Yeah. They're huge. Social media has the potential to be bigger if it's done correctly.
0: It's all, I tell people all the time, like I make my business selling or I make my living selling advertising and selling multimedia bundles. And that's Mm -hmm. really what it is. It's like, I always hear like the fixes in the mix And it's like your marketing mix is important. Like you need to be as many places as you can be and you need to be there in meaningful fashion, you know? And it's like, I encourage people that all the time. It's like, we're a perfect example of like the power of the permanency of the written word. We've been sending out a magazine every month for 20 years. Right. And like, it's the long play. It's a over time you build up a rapport with people and you build this meaningful relationship and it it does, it takes time, but you complement it with, we have we're active on social we've got an email list we've got a yeah. website like you've got to you got to do it all unfortunately yeah. i mean in this day and age if you're in business you're in show business whether you believe it or not whether you know it or not and you've got to put on a show everywhere you go and each one of these platforms is just another place you got to be putting on the show and no it's i think Cody, you're, you're ahead of your years here. You're well on your way. I couldn't be happier for you. I think you, like you said, showed up in St. Louis and showed out. I think there were, wasn't a person there that didn't know you were there, and I don't think that you can ask for anything more than that in your Top Fuel oh. debut. Um, kind of crazy, to be honest with you, and I can't wait to see what happens next. So when am I going to see you? Are you uh, planning on going to the PRI show again in 2023? Are you going uh, to Indy this fall? Um, I'm going
1: to, I'll probably be at the PRI show. Um, I went last year just because, like I said, I was getting my toes wet. We had this idea of going racing and I wanted to go. (laughs) And that's another deal where it's like, I didn't have to stay home and work. My parents gave me the opportunity to go up there. So I I went up there and I got to meet some people and see some people that maybe I'd known in the past and learn a little bit more about it. So I love the PRI show. I really want to go to SEMA this year if I get the chance, but great show that's 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 the plan is to just try to stay as involved if, as I can and if that means Are going to, going the PRI to Vegas, or
0: you going to Dallas or Vegas for
1: NHRA um racing like driving no, no just no. going to hang out if i get the opportunity to go work yes i will
0: okay well, keep me posted because I'd love to uh, shake your hand and get to know you even a little bit better. I appreciate seriously uh, your candor and your time here today. I think it's important to use these opportunities to get to know people and share your story with the world. And I think we covered a lot of ground today. So thanks so Absolutely. much, man. I can't. I genuinely can't wait to see what happens next. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, the great and powerful Cody Crone. What's up? Thank you. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. Absolutely. It was uh, it was great
1: sitting down and talking to you and actually getting to meet you.